Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. Hey everybody, it's Chuck Arfine. Welcome to the White Sox Talk Podcast, brought to you by Wintrust. We are in the podcast studio, powered by PointsBet. Okay, baseball season is here. The White Sox begin the season with four games in Houston against the Astros. That is how it starts, but how is it going to end? Well, you've come to the right place, because it is time for our annual prediction podcast where we take out our crystal baseballs. We look into the future and predict what will happen with the White Sox this season. Among our predictions, which hitter will have the biggest comeback season? Who will play in the most games? Who leads the team in saves? Who wins the AL Central? We give you our bold predictions plus our you've got to be bleeping me predictions and more with Ryan McGuffey and Chris Kampka. What is going to happen with the White Sox in 2023? You're about to find out. White Sox, White Sox, go, go, White Sox. That ball hit deep way back. Deep to the field. Holy cow. Carlton Fisk has put the White Sox ahead. Jimenez leaves the ballpark. You can put it on the board! Yes! We got a chance to do something real special. All right, sit back, relax, and strap it down. It's time for the White Sox Talk Podcast. All right, it's me. It's Guff. Chris Kampka is with us as well. It's always a bonus when we get Chris Kampka on the podcast. Oh, man, now I know baseball's ready. But, but by the way, we're in the podcast studio. You, you mentioned that in the intro. Yeah. This is the first time in like three months that we've done this together in the studio. I know. I know. Because someone had to go to Arizona and cover spring training. <laughs> Some like Multiple. Kampka was there for a little while. You were there. I, I, I kind you of were flew. there as well. I, I dipped in, dipped out. Yes, yes. Claire Alfred. was not there, unfortunately. Claire, Claire not there. Guff, but you look extra white next to Chuck <laughs> with his uh, nice tan. Well, that always happens, actually. <laughs> That's racist. Uh, <laughs> you're very white there, Ryan. You're very, very Irish. This is his tan. You're going to have to deal with it, Claire. This is tan for me. Chris Kampka, how you doing, by the way? All right. Ready to go. You are ready to go. I know. I, I need Chris Kampka in my life, and if it means I have to do a I have to. I want to do a podcast with you, uh, but just to get to see you, talk to you, uh, it's good for the Chuck Garfine's baseball soul to have Chris Kampka here with us. Um, first prediction is this one. I, you guys don't know about this one. Um, does Leary <laughs> Garcia get a statue, Chris Kampka? No, he does not. Uh, that's about it. I think the question is, what t- which team does he uh, resurface with? Na- um, National League. National League because uh, it just feels like an he's he's a National League he's been a National League player for a couple of years. Now that they have the DH, it just I guess in theory he could he could play anywhere. Chris, but, what would it do to you if Larry Garcia won a World Series somewhere else? I could give. Uh, come on, you answer. You know, you ask Chris. Hang on. Eh, good for him. Exactly. 
but but the team I was thinking was the Mariachis de Guadalajara in the Mexican League. <laughs> but, uh, you know what? He's going to sign with like the Tigers. We're going to see a lot of Larry Garcia. Just something you know, like that's going to happen. The funny thing is, the reason I say that team is I'm actually going to go see one of their games next month. Oh my and God! Like fate, fate I hope it happens. I'm going to be stuck seeing. Larry I hope Garcia it happens eventually. Anyway, now now, so now I hope it happens. I hope it happens so much because of your love. Or Leary. Yeah, this is an inside <laughs> joke. There's a group text with me and Chris and Guff, and it has mainly been about Leary Garcia for the last three years. So you can. Uh, is it imagine. only three years? It's <laughs> well, I don't know. No, I think it's been three. Feels it's like longer. three. Yeah, longer. I'll, longer. Ta- I'll take the over. Okay, so it's been since 2014 since the trade. Uh, I want to say like 2018, 2013 is when the trade. When Renteria was hitting him leadoff every day, that's where it started. Hey, better than uh, TLR hitting him third. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yes. But, I, but I digress. It's, it's about right. a wash. <laughs> All right. So uh, no, none of us predicted that Larry Garcia would be on the podcast, and yet he made it. Well, this is his swan song. Yes. This, this is, is the, uh, this is the uh, I don't know, the, uh, the obituary for uh, his baseball career with the White Sox, right? Yeah. Send flowers to, you know, let's move. You know, this <laughs> is not, you know, no offense to Larry Garcia. It just it, it, it became a kind of a running joke. So that's why we have to it, have a sense of humor here. It was never his fault, though. No, and no. Here's the, th- here's, here's the thing with Larry Garcia. He he just happened to have managers that just kept overexposing him and playing in places he had no business being. Correct. And so it wasn't his fault. He didn't insist on being there. It's just there were managers that were using him incorrectly. And he I, happened to be, like, the nicest guy on the team. Yeah. yeah. And all this Twitter hate, and look, we're doing it ourselves in a way. I mean, we're not hating on him, but we're having fun with it. But, unfortunately, that's, you know, that's I'm, baseball. I, I wonder what Tony LaRusso's commission was on the deal, A. Um, B... Good for the White Sox on taking the sunk cost and moving on because there was the assumption that this was something that they were just going to be tied to the player due to money. And and from, from the opening moment of spring training, I think it was very clear that money would – what was it? No scholarships, right? There yeah, were no scholarships. Yeah, and Pedro football. said yeah. he's going to have to compete for a job. When he said that, yeah. that said a lot to me. Yeah, 100%. See, um, I mean, the, the replacement would be Hans or Alberto, right? Yeah. If you look at their current numbers, they're pretty close. But the thing is, it's refreshing because they're trying something else. They're not right. They're trying something new, which which I appreciate. All right, prediction number one. I think I've got fifteen predictions here, so let's fly through them. Well, we don't have to fly through them, but let's get through them. Uh, prediction number one. All right, so Jose Abreu, now with Houston, as we know, and the player who was replacing him, Andrew Vaughn, who has. A higher OPS in 2023, OPS, adds on base percentage and slugging percentage. Who has a higher OPS, Jose Abreu or Andrew Vaughn? Why don't we start with Chris, go to Guff, and then I finish up. Abreu, and the reason why he's done it, I mean, he's he's consistently been better than Vaughn has been in his career. So until I see more from Vaughn, I'm going to have to go with what I know, and that's Abreu. I mean, the last year, what Abreu do? Um 824 OPS, Vaughn Oven only 750. And, and that was a down power year for Abreu. So I think that going to Houston, that little place to hit, uh, Abreu is going to put up some pretty decent numbers. Not to say that Vaughn isn't, it's just I'm going with what I know. 
Yeah, I'm going to piggyback off of that. It's impossible to pick Andrew Vaughn. Impossible? Yes. Impossible? Yes. It's impossible to pick Andrew Vaughn. We haven't seen the full body of work. We will see it at first base in 2023, but he's already had some bumps and bruises in spring training that can make you – I know that they're they're thinking big picture, but he hasn't you – know, I think he got back in the – as we taped this, I believe he's back in the lineup today. He hadn't played in a while with a back soreness, stiffness thing. It's something to look at. Meanwhile – Jose Abreu has a 9-10 OPS this spring for the Astros. You can't really look at that. Uh, I'm going to look at that. All First right, of ahead, all, the fact that, that he qualifies is a, is something. Yeah. The fact that Jose Abreu has enough at-bats to qualify, I know it means nothing in the Grapefruit or Cactus League. But with what, like Chris said, this is a career 860 OPS player, okay, who's going to a team that has guys uh, uh, that hit uh, in front of and behind him that are only going to make him better and give him more pitches to hit. And that seems crazy that an MVP run producer like Jose Abreu might benefit from pitching around players, but I think he will. I think he can. I think he's poised for a big year. I think White Sox fans will maybe read into it as 2023 goes in the wrong way because it was the right move. I think Abreu could have a big season, but I'm definitely leaning I, I really do think it's impossible to pick Andrew Vaughn here. Okay, so the reason why I put this together is that, you know, you wonder where things are trending. Now, Abreu didn't have the power numbers last year, like Chris said. A lot of singles. That might have been by design, to be honest with you. That's probably going to go way up, the home runs, I think, with Houston. But you have to wonder, now, is Vaughn going to, you know, have a better season is Abreu's OPS can continue to you know trickle downward if that happens then maybe Andrew Vaughn can have a higher OPS than him now look at August 14th on August 14th of last year Andrew Vaughn had an 824 OPS Abreu had an 837 like they were pretty much neck and neck but then Vaughn like he has happened the last couple of years when he was playing the outfield I think it had to do just specifically with that his body let him down, he had a terrible September, and his OPS suffered. So, I do think, though, that Jose Abreu will have a higher OPS, despite me saying all that. He's going to bat fifth. He's going to be in this loaded lineup. He's not going to have to carry the team. Not that he had to. Well, he actually had to carry the team. Yeah, yeah he did for have about, to carry the team. For about seven of the nine years. So It is, it is interesting, <laughs> though, because... If you remember how Abreu finished last year, his last 55 games, he slugged 386 with one home run. Yeah. So I, I think I don't so know what was going on last year. And it was a weird year. It was, and so, and was he trying to hit singles? Was he not trying to hit home runs? I don't know. It was I very was bizarre. Not trying to hit home runs, just trying to hit singles. I have more questions that are for a different time. Well, and I have those questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say this about Abreu. Like I did say, it's impossible to pick. Vaughn, I don't think it's impossible that at the end of the season, Vaughn could have a higher OPS. Well, there we I, go. I, I, so I, it's possible. I said it's impossible to pick him today. Oh, I see what you're because saying. Because of the body of work and, and, and the uncertainty of what we haven't seen and the 10-year, nine-plus-year career that have been But, but Goff, we're trying, not just trying, we are predicting the future. We are. 
I'm saying I was. We were all embarrassed last year on this podcast. At the end of the year, I'm trying to save face here. Oh, you're, you're playing it safe. I'm trying to get early points. Okay, but all of us so, are. So Guff took out the, the the seven iron. He's gonna hit seven iron here all podcast long. And Chuck, who's played mu- a lot of rounds of golf with me, knows that I do not play it safe. Okay, so <laughs> so more get to out come. the driver. Get more to come. All right, prediction number two. What will Abreu do in his first at bat against the White Sox? So normally we have to wait till like basically the end of the season to know who has the most predictions or at least some of these predictions, we're going to know on Thursday who gets this right or wrong. So, Kampka, what's Abreu going to do in his first at bat against the Sox? It's going to be against Dylan Cease. So he's going to go 3-2 on three pitcher violations and two batter violations, and then he's going to reach on catcher's interference. Oh, my No, just God. kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, there, well, there's two possible outcomes. Number one, he doubles, and that would be the same as he did in his first White Sox at bat, or he homers, which is what Frank Thomas did in his first at bat. So it's one of those two. It's double or home run, probably double. Wow. And you're saying his first at bat against the Sox. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What I love about that is he said there are two possible outcomes. Only two. Okay, double or homer. I think there are three. Three? Okay. I think there are three possible outcomes. And I do think double is my first get. My, is my first, double to right center specifically. Mm-hmm. You know, strikeout is certainly on the table. It's still in cease. And then ground into double play, I think, mm. is certainly where I, I oh. want to lean Ooh. there because of he leads the majors the last four seasons collectively the most yep. double plays it feels juicy hitting fifth like it, it seems like the, someone's going to be on base someone's going to be on base it's going to feel like first and third with one out and everybody oh. all Sox fans in the first year go like here we go like see and then here comes Abreu I want to pick double Chris already did I'm going grounds into a double grounds play. into a double play all in right I like it that's like a good it. one that's a good one here's what I got all right so game is unfortunately on ESPN those thieves <laughs> Uh, we'll be uh, doing our first game the next day. I've got Jose Abreu hitting a ground out. So okay. I don't have a double play. I just have a ground out. That seems Because like he a- hit a lot of balls on the ground last yeah, year. That's why I'm taking the double play. All right. Uh, prediction number three. More wins in 2023. Mike Clevenger or Johnny Cueto? Now with the Marlins, Chris. Um, big sigh coming from the yeah, Kamka house. It's, it's um, I'm gonna go Clevenger because he's on a better team, and I, it's not the best logic. I mean, look. Plus, it's too bad that the White Sox are going to this new schedule where they face all the teams um, more spread out. Because if you look at his numbers against the Royals and Tigers. They're pretty crazy. He's nine and zero against Kansas City. Whoa, eight and two against the Tigers. Whoa. in his career with a sub two ARA for both. Whoa, I don't, I don't, yeah. So that's that's something. Unfortunately, yeah. they don't play him enough this year. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Clevenger because he's on a better team, and plus I think Cueto is poised for a little bit of a uh, rebound because you know he pitched way over his head last year and loved seeing every minute of it. But I don't think he could possibly duplicate that. Yeah, he he should still get four starts. I think if I if I do the math in my head correctly, he could get four starts against the Royals, four starts against the Tigers, right? I mean, it's, it's instead of five, right? It's reasonable. Yeah, okay. I'd say three for certain, assuming yeah. health. Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, least favorite prediction of the entire group here. Uh, You're welcome. I, 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 You're I, welcome. I actually I I bypassed this one and came back. It's like it's like that question on the test that you don't want to answer at the time. Then you get the test and you're like, oh shit, I didn't finish it. Then you go back and like, I still hate the question. 
You're welcome. That's how I felt with this. I, it's I a, hate, but it's a good it, it admit is. it. It's something that so, needs to be discussed. So I'm going to call it a push. I, I think they're going to end with the exact same number of wins, and that's not a safe, seven iron. That's not a seven, seven iron. Seven iron. I hate the ants. I hate the. I, I do think it leans. It tends to lean Clevenger. Now, Cueto isn't healthy. He has arm soreness already. Yeah. He's given up eleven earned and three and two thirds in spring. It's not looking good. Now we also throw. It's like saying that Dylan Cease's first start this year mattered. And Clevenger just got rocked by the Cubs. Ke- Clevenger just got rocked by the Cubs. I don't think either one are going to be pretty. And, I, and and the fact that you picked wins, I think, was perfect because, I mean, the Whites, quite frankly, Chris, I mean, the White Sox need results more, more in innings and ERA, I think, yeah. I, rather than wins from Clevenger because of what he's paid and, and their lack of depth in the rotation. So I'm going to say push, but I'm going to say because the White Sox play every team this year, it's going to come down to Cueto versus Clevenger when the White Sox play the Marlins, and they just happen to meet on the mound. That's going to be the deciding Ooh, start. Ooh, I love it. So it's not a safe, it's not a seven iron. I at least had a scenario. That's good. That's good. Where they came together and that that exa- that start settles the argument. Okay, so you hit a three wood, <laughs> and I don't hit three woods well, but that one I smoked. Okay, you did smoke <laughs> that one. That's good. So I, I had here Cueto was eight and ten last year. In 158 innings, Clevenger got seven wins in 114 innings. There were a lot of, I think, painful no decisions that Cueto got. I think Clevenger's got a lot to prove, yep. a lot to prove. And Cueto's got stuff to prove as well. I, I think that just is the difference for me, the, a lot to prove kind of thing because of what happened with him, obviously, off the field. He's a free agent at the end of this year. Same with Cueto. It's just a one-year deal. But I, I'm just going to go with Clevenger. It can go either way. I'm choosing the Sox guy. All right. Which hitter will have the biggest comeback season? Tim Anderson, Luis Robert Jr., Aloy Jimenez, Mancada, or Grandal. And we're using OPS+. plus. That takes a player's OPS, normalizes the number across the league, 100 is league average, so if you're over 100, that's what you're looking at. And I'm kind of just – I'm actually going on OPS plus. You don't have to give me an OPS plus number, but who do you think has the biggest comeback season, Chris? Okay, well, <clears throat> see, the, the the way you word it that way is a little different than what I thought. I, I mean, I was just going highest OPS plus is one thing, but I think biggest comeback takes into account where you're coming from. Okay, then just do that. Um, do that. But I'll, I'll so do what? Um, biggest who's OPS having the biggest plus? comeback season? Don't even look at OPS plus. Okay. I just want to know in your heart, in your mind, who's having the bigger comeback season? It doesn't need to be OPS plus. It's kind of a it's a different answer because mm-hmm. I'm. I agree. I what do you go, want to answer? The highest OPS overall plus would be Eloy Jimenez. He was the best last year. He's the best if you look at the three year sample. Okay. He's he's probably the best overall hitter on this team. Agreed. So I, I would I would kind of even throw him out for the discussion. If the reason the reason why I wanted to do OPS plus because at least yeah. at the end of the season sure, we I, could I, have yeah. something to measure it. That's right. why I did that. Um, but if you want to take biggest difference from OPS plus this year minus last year, it's got to be Grandal because you just couldn't go any further down than he did last year. Mm. Sixty four OPS plus last year. If you look at his last three year sample, it's one oh nine. So, you know. Looking at the averages, it's got to be him. Uh, I, I agree. I, I also read the question a little differently, but I, I'm going to go. I'm going to actually, this might, maybe it is a seven iron to keep the golf analogy going. Uh, to me, it's Aloy. I mean, 
I think that he has the capability here to take – he's already taken off. Like that second half, if he can take that second half and just keep going, mm-hmm. you know, and some, I, I'm, I'm kind of uh, foreshadowing some of the – maybe an answer or two yeah. uh, coming up. I just think he's the most – I think he's the most important hitter in the White Sox lineup. I do. I think he's the most important because if he's got the most power and he's what I thought Luis Robert was going to be – at th- by this time, you know, I think, and I've said this on, on the podcast, you know, I, I don't know what Luis Robert is, Chris. I, I don't. I, I, I want him to be somebody I think he's supposed to be, and I don't know if he's capable. I know he was very injured last year, specifically in the second half when he had no homers and two ribbies. So yep. for, like, the biggest comeback, like, I'm going to table Grandal. I'm not picking Grandal. I think he's going to be better by default than he was last year. Yeah, I think Luis Robert much. probably has the biggest like I think he's maybe the most capable of of of, of having the bigger comeback season because I think Tim's going to kind of go back to Tim. I just want to see, you know, god damn, I just want to see these guys stay on the field because I think it'll translate in the numbers and I'm 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 going to pick Aloy because I think he's most important, but I think Luis Robert has the most like if he becomes that 140 to 150 OPS plus guy, Chuck. Yeah. And you have a couple of those other guys that just stay on the field. Now that lineup becomes that lineup you thought that you had in 21, 22. Yeah. It really does. So Luis Robert is somebody who, you know, obviously has not played 100 games yet. The 2020 season, if that wasn't a pandemic season, maybe he would have played, you know, 140, 150 games. We don't know. And yeah, I, I have the reservations about him as well. And when he came back from the WBC, he just he said a couple times, I just want to be healthy this season. I want to be healthy. And at some point, he's 25 years old. And at some point, he's got to be that guy because he, he is that guy. He should be that guy. So I'm predicting he's going to be that guy. Good. He's going to have that the biggest comeback season of them all. And now when he was on the field in the first half, he was great. But then obviously he gets hurt. And as you said, no homers, two RBIs in the second half. I can't believe that it's, happened. It's unfathomable. With them. I, by the way, that's the first time we've all gone different answers. So here we go. All right, now we're splitting. Well, things are going to start. Bit. Well, yeah, I mean, we things are going to be very different from here on in because of the questions. Next prediction: home runs for Eloy Jimenez. Chris, how many do you have for Eloy Jimenez? I'm going to play it safe and say twenty. And Ooh, um, oh my god, that's. Probably because of games played. Yeah, I got to see him do a full game season without getting injured before I predict anything more. Because I did it last year. I said he's going to hit forty-five homers, and well, then I got burned. So, <laughs> so I'm going to go back on that. Now I'm going to say he's he's the best power hitter on this team. I just said it. I'll say it again. But staying on the field, I really before I go and predict something big for him again, I, I need to see it. That's what sucks about, like, for the first time, that's what sucks about this podcast is that we're all kind of, we're, we're realistic now. Yeah. And, I've, and I'm not, I'm about not to be, I'm about to not be realistic. Uh-oh. <laughs> you always, you can't help I can't, yourself. I can't, you can't quit you. You can't quit yourself. You can't quit Aloy Jimenez. I, I really can't. So, Chris, full disclosure, I've bet him the last two, two, 21 and 22, I've bet him to lead the majors in homers. Right, because Which isn't irrational. He's that kind of talent. You right. see it. Yeah, and and I mean the odds are there too. It's like 30, 35, 40 to one. The last few years, I'm like, man, you know, like this is this feels good. And then I think 21, he didn't even get to opening day. 
22 didn't last long either. Uh, but I'm going to, uh, someone has to play. Some, one of these guys has to, like, one of these guys has to stay on the field this year. It's just, it, by default, science tells us that it's impossible that every one of these guys with injury issues are going to fall off the face of the earth again. So, Chris, you said the number. I'm saying it. I'm sticking with it. I think Aloy Menes, his goal, he said, going into spring training was 100 and I think he said 150. I, 104. I've been saying 140, Chris, because it, it allows him still to miss almost a month. 22 games. Okay? I'm saying 45. Mm-hmm. 45 home runs for Aloy Jimenez. <laughs> well, we still have an Aloy Jimenez signed jersey to give away. I think I should get it. If you it, should get it. Claire, you got any Kool-Aid Can, around here? My goodness. Can I interject <laughs> with a stat? Yes. Okay. So last year, that second half that you mentioned, Guff, how good was he in the second half? If you take the weighted crunch created plus leaders, which is like OPS plus, yep. okay? Um, minimum 200 plate appearances. It's Aaron Judge with 252. Nathaniel Lowe, 176, El Tuve, 175, uh, Jordan Alvarez, 170, and then Aloy for 169. And he was followed by the NL MVP, Paul Goldschmidt, 168. So that's the kind of company he was in. I mean, think that's how good he was. That's how good he was. And like, I go back to 2019 when we did like his rookie year where he missed 40 games. Mm -hmm. He played 122, he hit 31. So, like, Again, he's probably got more body of work where you've seen it actually on display than any one of these guys, not named Tim Anderson. Yeah. Like you're still waiting for Moncada. You're still waiting for Luis Robert. You're still and you go back and go, but but look at that. Like you just mentioned MVPs, like MVP after MVP after MVP, Chris. And he won a silver slugger as a rookie. It's in there. Like by def- like he can fall. We keep saying he can you you talked about it earlier too. He's probably the best. He's not just a power hitter. He can be a 310 type guy. Like he's he's dangerous. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Yes, because last year the difference was his walk rate went through the roof. He was drawing a ton of walks last year compared to what he had been doing. And that's going to be the secret sauce to, to his improvement because he's more selective. So home runs for Aloy the last four seasons, 2019, he had 31. 2020, pandemic season, 14. 2021, 10. 2022, 16. So I kind of went in the middle of you guys where I'm expecting him to get hurt. He will get hurt. He'll miss a bunch of games. I'm just expecting that. I'm bracing Mm -hmm. for it. I'm prepared for it. I've got him hitting 28 home runs. So kind of in the middle. That's a, yeah. I'm just, I think that's just, I would love for him to hit 45. I just don't see him staying healthy because he never has been. Even in the 2020 season when he hit those 14 home runs, Playoffs, he was hurt. Couldn't even play. Couldn't run the bases. Yeah, he hit a double, I think, against Oakland. Had to be taken off the field. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I actually thought about going under 20 because, like, that's what we've Look, been it's seeing. Not ins- it's more ins- I'm more insane than two of you. Everyone's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, I get So, they- I mean, I'm just, this is me, this almost a pipe dream that he's going to get 28 just because of the last two seasons. But he lost weight. Sounds like he really is trying to do everything in his power, literally. 
to uh, hit more home runs. So there it is. All right. I'm curious to know what the answer is or your predictions are for this one. Yoan Moncada's batting average. <laughs> Yoan Moncada's batting average. Last five seasons, starting in 2018, 235, then 315 in 2019, then 225, 263 last season. It was 212. Chris Kampka, what do you got? Well, uh, I'm going to go 245. Um, <laughs> just just because I'm going from what I know again. You know, I, it, it's looking more and more, unfortunately, like 2019 is the outlier where you yep. hit 315. Um, but hopefully you're wrong. And hopefully the, his great performance in the World Baseball Classic is will, will spur him on to be better. I will say the one thing that I'm most I've, I've and I've brought this up when we've talked about Pedro Grafal multiple times. I, he's the one player I think if Grafal's going to like touch and and really spark more than any other player I think it's I think it's Mancada. With that being said, you know, I'm already like a little annoyed <laughs> but since he's been back from the World Baseball Classic, I loved seeing him last Friday. Like smoke a ball, like hit from the right side. I know it was Oakland, but it was a left-handed hitter. The way the White Sox line up. I mean, if you watch any of that first inning, first two innings against Oakland, it was like leadoff single, two-run homer, double, walk, single, double. I'm like, oh, this is the White Sox lineup we want. And he smoked one from the right side of the, like as a righty, two right center. And I'm like, man, that guy. Give me that guy. But again, Chris, because of what we know, I think, and that's been like the theme of the podcast. It should be called like because of what we know, 2023 season predictions. I'm going with Yoan Mankata's career batting average to be this season's batting average. Chuck, 253. 253. Well, for me, I, I look at his batting averages and it's like good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. It was 235, 315, 225, 263, 212. I'm going 250. 250. So we're right there. Yeah, we're right around each other. All right, slash line for Oscar Colas. Slash line for Oscar Colas. What do you guys think? Chris, what do you got, bud? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to say 240, 285, 424. So a nice slugging percentage, but, man, I'm, I'm not seeing much plate discipline there. Um, just one walk all spring. And I'm a little concerned about that. And once he sees some elite stuff in the majors, there might be a little bit of time to adjust. Um, so he might start slow, but he's got a world of talent. So it might go up from there, but I think this year there's going to be a little growing pains. Yeah, I've been pumping the brakes on Oscar Colas um, since his name was mentioned as a possible right field candidate. And the reason is because I think it's unfair to put that type of expectation on a kid when you're still saying that your goal is to win the AL Central, and quite frankly, the White Sox are and should be in the mix to win this division. But I, I've seen it a little bit too, Chris. Like we did a podcast a week plus ago where it was like his numbers looked a lot better, and he's fallen off a little bit. And maybe he's been, maybe like he knows he's got the the spot, and and it's time to ramp up, ramp it up for the for real. But the plate discipline definitely stood out to me. He's played one sixth exactly of a baseball season. So if you translate that out. It kind of gets you where I'm at, slash line. I'm a little higher on on base, and I do think it's the one number that that I might be a little off on because of that. But I'm expecting some of that discipline to come just like trying to figure out pitchers as well. So I'm going 262, 310, 
425. You said 424, which made me smile. I'll give you a little bonus, too. I'm going to go 19 homers and 65 RBI. And, and again, this, I'm, this is another guy we're expecting to play the bulk of the right field snaps. And, um, you know, the one thing he has shown is the health yeah. in spring, which is good. But I, I th- he's 15 to 1 to win rookie of the year, which I think I'd flirt with. You know, 15 to 1 is juicy. For a guy like that and for a team with expectations to win. But I like Chris. I like where you're at. I think there's more realistic, in, I, I think, here than saying, okay, this guy's, you know, the next Albert Pujols. He's not drawing walks. He's also not striking out in spring. And I always try to pump the brakes when I see someone in spring training just because it's spring training. He's going to, I mean, right out of the gate. All right, Framber Valdez, if he's going to be starting, you know, against a lefty. Uh, he does hit well against lefties, at, at least in the minor leagues. Who knows how much they're going to use him in the major leagues. There's going to be some growing pains. So I have pumped the brakes with him. I really hope, I mean, this could go in a lot of different directions. He could just freaking rake or be sent down to the minor leagues. I mean, that is a possibility as well. So I'm going to go 250, 305, 440. So he's going to... He's going to run into some home runs, and that's where I've got a high slug, but he's going to have some slumps, and he's not going to get on base a ton. So that's what I got for Oscar Colas. Okay, who's going to play the most games? <laughs> who's going to play the most games? Last year was Abreu with 157. A.J. Pollock, injury-plagued. He played 138, second most on the team. Then it was Andrew Vaughn with 134. So, Chris, who's playing the most games on this team yeah if you look at the top was it top seven of most games played for the white Sox last year um four of the seven are no longer on the team uh, i'm going <laughs> off the board here i'm going andrew benintendi will lead the team in games played with about 155 he's going to be fully healthy this year yeah i like it um i'm going to go with the guy who i would argue it was the most important signing that happened right when spring training was uh, announced or right when players were supposed to report. I'm going Elvis Andrews, the de-, the de facto leader in the clubhouse. I mean, if you look at his career, if he's played 14 seasons in the big leagues, 145, 148, 150, 158, 156, 157, 160, 147, 158, 97, 147, 2020, he played 29, 146, 149. I feel good. Like, those are numbers you can't spit out with most White Sox players right now. Ben Attendee, also good. I like, like Chris and I are going with guys who you expect to play. <laughs> guys who haven't been here. Yes. Yeah. Uh, listen, Guff, great minds think alike. <laughs> Boom. I don't even have to provide the stats yep. that I have compiled because you just named them. <laughs> Elvis Andrews. You take out 2018, he played 97 games. 2020 pandemic season, he's played 145 games or more. In 12 of the 14 seasons in his career, Elvis Andrews is my choice. Watch. The guy who will play the most games on this team will be Aloy Jimenez. I hope. <laughs> I hope it is. I, I, this, I hope this one should be worth like five bonus points just because of the White Sox the last few years. But, God, I hope it's one of those guys. I really do. I hope at the end that it's like a tie between Mancata, Robert, and Aloy. That would be a great scenario for the White Sox. That's true. Okay, this will be fun. What will be the White Sox' <laughs> shortest 
and longest game times of the season. We have a pitch clock. And before we share our predictions, do you guys want to guess the shortest and longest games last season? What the shortest time was? What the longest time was? Chris I might even have know to this. recuse myself. I have them written down in this paper. <laughs> of course you do. All right, so I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. You, by the way, you sound like Steve Stone. I know. You're you going to recuse it's yourself. So good. I'm going to say the shortest game last year was 244. Shortest? Yeah. Jesus. What, what baseball were you watching? Well, I'm guessing one game happened to go under, and then I'm going to say the longest was uh, 437. Okay. Uh, Claire, you want to guess? Claire is here. Get your mic. Sorry about that. I just you weren't ready for that. Claire, what do you got? I think the shortest. I really don't think that they had a game under three hours. I think the shortest <laughs> is going to be like three ten. I just remember all of them being so long. This is why Major League Baseball needed a pitch clock. By what you just said, you I thought know. every single game went below, went above three hours. Yeah, I just remember when I was like would watch the games. I just remember how long they were, especially the ones that were on the West Coast. Yeah, I think yeah. longest. I'm gonna Already go late. right longest. I'm gonna go three fifty six. Oh, definitely over four. Okay, shortest <laughs> game. This is gonna rock your world. Shortest game time last year. 209. No way. I was an hour off. Guardians over the White Sox, 4 to 1. It was Bieber against Martin. The next closest, there was a 221. Must have been on vacation. White Sox beat. It was was a doubleheader. So if you think about that. Oh, okay. No, it was nine innings. They got two. Yeah, but still, it's like, okay, we know we got two today. Was that the one the Sox were swept in? Uh, No, they split it. Okay. They won the second game 7 to nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I blacked out for that part of the year. The next a lot, of, a lot of double headers. They they they're quick both games. But the next closest game was a two twenty one game. White Sox beat the Twins thirteen nothing. I remember that game. You do. Yes. That's hard to get thir- a thirteen nothing in two twenty one. Uh, you're, we're seeing that, by the way. There have been games like high scoring games in spring training, and the games take like two hours and twenty minutes. Can wait. Longest game four hours and twenty three minutes. Ooh, the White Sox beat the it. Blue Jays seven to six in twelve on a Josh Harrison walk off single. So, Chris, yeah, go ahead. That's surprising. You know, the, the, the one that I would think would be the longest one went actually 413. It was the Dodgers game where the infamous Max Muncie homer and Trey <laughs> Turner intentional walk. Mm. But, no, yeah, that wasn't that Is one. Is that Freddie Freeman on second base going, what? Did he did he walk him? Yeah. Yep. One that of the great was moments in third longest. Sox history. Go ahead. Oh, so, yeah, the, my picks, this is, this is hard because you can go off of spring training, but – it's going to be entirely different than spring training. The spring training range went from 154 to 301. 301 was the longest spring training game this season. Wow. That was against the Dodgers. That was the only three-hour game that they played this spring. Actually, I don't know about today's game against the Cubs, okay. which, by the way, ended up in a 6-6 tie. I don't know if you noticed that. No, um, I did not Sox know came that. back. Sox came back. Look at those reserves. Down 6 nothing. Yes, we're, Romy, yes, by the way, we are taking. Gonzalez home run. All right, we are, um, we are well, taping this. Here's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with the shortest game is going to be actually 158. They're going to have a game where it goes under two hours, maybe just one. And the long – it might even be more. I, I'm really curious. I, I honestly don't – I have no idea how this is going to play out in the regular season as opposed to spring. The long game, I don't think we're going to have a four-hour game. I think the longest one we're going to have is 340. 340. All right, so to as a hat tip for this rule to our dear friend Mark Burley, I, I, I'm going. I, I went back into the annals and uh, found one of my favorite games as a 
as a fan where last call for beer was uh, only two beers in because yeah. Mark Burley was lining them up and knocking them down on April 16th, 2005. Yes, I was in there. In a 2-1 game against the Seattle Mariners. Hour 39 minutes. So as a hat to... By the way, Guff, do you know when, a funny thing about that game? Huh. That was his career high in strikeouts. Was it? He had like he had double digit, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He, he had like did. eleven and or you something. Think strikeouts take longer. Yeah. But no. Get it, pitch it, man. So I think this is a this is an oh, you've heard multiple managers throughout the game mention Mark Burley when talking about the pitch clock. So I feel like the White Sox shortest game should line up with one of his memorable starts. I'm going hour thirty nine, and I'm looking right here in the sweet spot, which is the first six weeks of the season, April and May, chillier weather. Colder bats, colder players, get in, get out. And then I'm going 4 I am going to say there's going to be a four-hour game because I, extra in, I'm taking extra innings into play here. And I know that the, we have the ghost runner on second base that's here to stay. But we've seen a lot of those games where they've gotten the guy over with nobody out on third base, and then it's just boom, boom, boom. And all, and all of a sudden you're in the 14th. So I'm going to just read I, – I am going to go a little old school there and find out, like figure out that the White Sox are going to play a 13 or 14 inning game. And so I will lean on – even though the pitch clock is there, I'm going to say 4.07 for the later. That That is no education in that one. Or no fun either. Like the other one's fun. Okay. Since you brought up Mark Burley, I will add to your Mark Burley idea – and you know, pop some Burlow. <laughs> you got Burlow. I also have a bottle of that. It's got to be so bad by now. What, can you tell the story of the Burlow glass of or bottle of wine? I should say. Yeah, I for, I forgot about it. Uh, I totally forgot about this happened. And then my cousin, like a while ago, was like, "Hey, I have this old bottle of wine. Do you want it?" And he showed me what it was. I'm like, "Yes." Mark yeah, I think Burlow. Jewel served. I think Jewel came up with this. I don't know who came up with it, but. It once served Mark Burley wine. It's called Burlow, which Merlot is already the of the Reds. Yes, and you know if it's like I think it was like a nine dollar bottle, and if you still have it uncorked, I just keep it corked. It, yeah. If you still have it corked, I'd keep it corked. You don't want to drink it. That's that's gonna be bad. All right, so I'm going shortest game, one fifty six for Burley. Love it. The fifty six. I like 156. it. One fifty six. Like it. And longest game. It'll be an extra inning game. I can't believe I'm saying this. 335. Oh my god! The longest Man. game. Can Could you, you imagine? Yeah. I can't wait till you guys are like. That's August 4th, and it goes 335, and you and Ozzy get on set and be like this. Like, oh my god! It I'll was not going to end. I'll never do that again. <laughs> I won't need to do that again. I'll be like, I know. 335 felt like the norm. Yeah, probably was. Now it's going to be the longest. All right, strikeouts for Dylan Cease. Last two seasons, 226, 227. Does anyone have a 228? I do. I was hoping you didn't put that stat out there. I, I actually thought that when I wrote this down, I'm like, I just put Kampka yeah. because I was like, this might be one where Kampka and I line up because of I do. So I, I will go first in this one. I'm just going to play devil's advocate here and line it up. 226, 227. I will go with 228. I did. He's another one of my favorite bets every year. I, I picked him last year to lead the majors in strikeouts, which I basically told Chuck at nauseum. Yes. That uh, I had that bet all year because it was the only one worth a damn. He fell off at the end, but I will. I'll take two twenty eight. Campco, what do you got? You see, I, I figured somebody might do that, so I didn't. <laughs> um, I went one ninety four. Ooh. Um, I went a little lower because you know it's just he was so good last year and so good the year before. Um, it's just really hard to repeat per, repeat a performance that good, especially with as many walks as he issued. He's still going to be damn good, but. Not quite as good as last year. 
Yeah, so he wants to lower his walks. So maybe the way to lower your walks is to get more contact, which means less strikeouts. So I'm going 210, 210 strikeouts for Dylan Cease. My apologies to Dylan and his family. Um, who leads the team in saves? Yeah, who leads hard. the team in saves, Chris Kampka? To me, this is an easy one. It's Liam Hendricks because I, I have him coming back earlier than expected. Uh, he's going to make a full, complete recovery, and he's going to be the same Liam Hendricks who's been accustomed to watching the last few years. Wow. I mean, if that first of all, if that happens, uh, they better line up multiple awards, maybe even some that are even out there yet. Because if that happens and he comes back, not just if he gets back on the mound this year, it's it, it's it's one of the best stories in the game already. Like, if that happens. If he leads the White Sox and saves – Dude, I mean, I don't know, like literally, like that guy should be honored throughout, and and, and should be, and I, he will be. He's already a hero for 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 what he's doing. I mean, his battle against non Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, I I actually flirted with that idea, Chris. I know, I know Chuck. Sorry, uh, was at spring training the entire time and saw him in and out um, you know, throughout camp. Sometimes doing side sessions on the backfields and stuff. We still don't have a real timetable, and I think there's a that's good, and and I feel like. And we don't know this either, and it's gonna it'll be out there soon. But it seems like he'll be a sixty day guy, probably the right move here. So I, I'm gonna as fun as awesome as I would lo- like. I would I hope that you're right, Chris. I really do. Like that would be the best answer for a million reasons. I'm gonna go with the guy I want it to be in his absence, and that's Ronaldo Lopez. I do think the committee thing will happen out of the gate. To to and give Grafol credit, he has been staunch. Like that is that he has been that line was put in the sand early, and he has mm-hmm. stood by it like all fifteen times he's been asked. I love it. I do too. But yeah. I do think I do think at some point, you know, the cream, geez, the cream rises to the top here, and there becomes a guy who embraces that role that you do have to lean on or want to lean on, and I think that'll happen. I I think Ronaldo Lopez has the best stuff. I think Ronaldo Lopez has gone on record saying he wants that. Roll. So I'm going Ronaldo Lopez. So Lance Lynn was on AJ Pruszynski's new show, Foul Territory, and he said that Liam is telling everyone, you know, he wants to come back in May, which is more like June. So that leads me to believe it might be July. Just because, you know, there's a, he's dealing with a lot, and so you have to come back. I think, I mean, when cancer knocked on Liam Hendricks' door, Cancer had no idea what he was no. or she was or it was dealing with Liam freaking Hendricks. So I think he's going to be here for the second half, maybe even sooner, but I'll just say second half and he will lead the White Sox. Yeah. In and, and that's what I had in mind. I had him coming back maybe say like August and even coming back in August, he could pull it off because it's by committee early. Mm. So it's not going to be once, once he's back, it's just him the rest of the way. Yeah. So it's not, he's not going to have to get a lot of saves to do it. He could do this with like 10 to 13 saves. Okay. I agree with that. I'll buy that. I, yeah. I, I mean, if I am to try to predict the future and that's what we're doing here, I, I foresee some amazing things happening on the field with Liam Hendricks closing out games for the White Sox. And I can't wait to see that happen. Um, all right. Bold predictions. We have two predictions this year. We got, bold predictions and we've got you gotta be bleeping me predictions so basically the you gotta be bleeping me can be basically anything you want but it's a little more outlandish a little more like whoa did that just freaking happen so let's start with just the bold prediction which is bold 
but not you got to be bleeping me bold. Okay. Um, I don't know how, how bold you think this is, but Tim Anderson will set a new White Sox record this year with a 40-game hit streak. That is beyond bold. Wow. 40 games? 40. I mean, the record's wow. 28 by Carlos Lee. It's going to be 40. I mean, when was the last time someone had a hitting streak in the major leagues in the 40s? Uh, was it Pete Rose? It Pete Rose. Yeah, Pete Rose, which is like 1978, I believe. So I that is quite the bold yeah. prediction. He's just the guy to do it. Top of the order. Doesn't walk. Lots of lots of chances to get a hit every day. He's the perfect candidate to get a hit streak of 40 games. Ladies wow. And gentlemen, he stays healthy. Chris Kamka. That is the boldest of bold. And you know, what's great about Tim, you know, I saw an interview I think he did with Merck uh, last week that he has nothing left. Like he has nothing. He's not trying to prove anything anymore. He's just trying to be Tim Anderson. And I think because of the season he had last year, Chris, it's almost like he was forgotten about. You know, like he was 76 games. Like when's he coming back? When's he coming back? Well, then the season kind of fell off and there was no really reason to bring him back. I think Tim's going to be more Tim than anything else. It was fun seeing him in the WBC, like getting mm -hmm. that kind of attention. I'm going to stick with the one we, we off camera. Yes. You know, Chuck, we always talk about, like, we never know and we don't. We don't share notes. <clears throat> this, that's why, that's what makes this season prediction podcast fun. But Chuck told me, right, like, they just finished taping the season preview spot uh, show with Ozzy. And he's like, oh, Ozzy's bold prediction is X. And I was like, damn it. I don't want the same one. But I'm going to stick with it because I like having the same one as Ozzy in this case. I think Pedro Grafol, AL manager of the year. And. I it's the one thing I left camp feeling really good about. I mean, the players play at the end of the day. Like, how much can a manager uh, make a difference? Well, we sh we sure as hell know it can make a difference when it's not going right. Okay, and I think from what we saw, or from what I saw, I'll just do my eye test and what I was hearing from Pedro Grafal throughout. Like, he had a really good idea and a really good plan and how to execute it with this group when he took over the reins and. I think because he's playing in a winnable division where really everyone has warts, yeah. that if this thing works, if you throw it in the blender, it could equal the White Sox on top. And a first-year manager getting this team back to where they should be probably is enough That'll get some votes. to get you AL Manager of the Year unless something like Brandon Hyde and the Orioles win 95 games. Yeah, could happen. So that's my bold prediction. All right, my bold prediction. So last year, my bold prediction was that Andrew Vaughn would bat 300, and for most of the season he was, and then he kind of fell apart at the end physically and obviously with his batting average, so I was wrong. Well, I shouldn't say wrong. Yeah, I guess I was wrong, but I was close. This year I'm predicting another Andrew Vaughn prediction. He will hit 30 home runs for the White Sox. Andrew Vaughn, 30 dingers. He led the Sox in home runs last year, by the way, with 17. I, yeah, this is the lowest lowest amount to lead the White Sox since 1989. Don't tell me. <clears throat> Yvonne Calderon, 14. Yeah. Yeah! Love that team. Yeah. <laughs> love that crappy. I, think nice four, that's, that's, four, I don't love that stat. 14 homers, 86 <clears throat> RBI, I believe. I have that burned into so, my brain. You know what? This is this is called White Sox brainwashing because young Ryan McGuffey loved a 1989 White Sox team that was pathetic. Yeah, you know what? Some of my favorite teams were the ones that have, were the shittiest seasons. And so, you know, like Fred Manrique and Scotty Fletcher, and this is not a knock. Gary Reedus, Greg Walker was my. That's how do you know you're really in love? You yeah. know, when you can when you can wear that to, to every single day. Yes, I've got a team like that too. I I have this ridiculous 
love for the 2004 White Sox. Well, that oh. team was that team could have been special. Yes, it was just like one through nine guys who could hit 25 homers, and they did, and, and it was great. And it was great, and but was they weren't great. great. All right, so I'm curious. You're you gotta be bleeping me, prediction, Chris. So this is gonna make no sense, com- given what I said earlier in the podcast, because I had to, I kind of made a left turn, um, but. Sebi Zavala will have more home runs than Yasmani Grandal. Dude, yeah. that's awesome. That's a that's a really good. That's wow. That's a really good one. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I, if if Grandal stays healthy, I do believe he will have more home runs than Zavala. But will Yasmani Grandal stay healthy? If he doesn't, Sebi Zavala steps in. Even when he does step in, I mean, he had a monster spring. Oh, he did. I mean, but he, he but five he won't, bombs. But he won't get. He shouldn't. Shouldn't get enough games played to have more home runs than Grandal unless Grandal gets hurt. Is yeah, that what but you're thinking, thinking, Chris? But yeah, it could be either way. I mean, but just the way watching Grandal hit last year and even recently, he just seems more content with slapping singles over the infield now. Interesting. And Zavala's like, I don't, I don't care. I'm, forget it. I'm going all out. I'm just going to swing and hit it hard and run into one. I think Sebi looks mo- like this is the most comfortable he's ever looked. Like yeah. his place. Like he knows he belongs. He knows how to run a staff. He knows what he's doing in the batter's box. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I don't like it for Yasmani Grandal fans, but maybe hopefully he hits 20 and Yas hits 19. You know what that is? That's a you got to be bleeping me prediction. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have one. Uh, it's more of a general baseball one. This Was it supposed to be White Sox related, by the way? Whatever. Okay. I think. I'm going to play into the new rules. I, I really it, This one's boring because I want to do stolen bases since there's been all this talk about stolen bases. We haven't had a 50 stolen base season in six years, and it feels like maybe this is the year. I'm going to poo-poo that one. I'm going to say we're going to have a game that's an hour and 20 minutes or under. What? An hour and 20? When, when was the last time a game took an hour and 20 minutes? Chris, is that something easy to Probably find? Probably 1936. Yeah, I, I, can have, I can have that answer for you. Within uh, a minute or so. So yeah. okay. carry on. Carry on. That's insane. It is. I, what? An hour what is and 20. You got to be bleeping me. Okay, that's it, a monster. That, that is okay. There we go. I like it. I like I it. I already told you that I think the Sox shortest game will be 139. Okay. We're shaving off night. We're shaving off an inning. All right. So here's my you got to be bleeping me. And then we'll get back to what. Oh, Claire. Is this a White Sox game? No, no or, just any game. This is any, any game, game in baseball is one hour and 20 minutes. Claire's doing some producing there just yeah. to clarify. That's good. I she like wants that. to make sure I get rewarded at the end I of the like year that. That's good. for my okay. hour and 18 minutes. Well game. done. Well done. Okay. Um, my You Gotta Be Believe Me prediction, Oscar Colas will hit a home run on the concourse at Guaranteed Rate Field. You gotta be bleeping me. Ooh. That's doable. <laughs> well, I think Wait, so. Hit, did he hit one over the? Oh, that was like Luis Robert hitting one over the bull. The cow or the bull? Oh yeah. no, it was the bull. It was Durham? a bull in Durham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sick that we remember minor league home runs. Well, it was it was the rebuild. You know, we had to we had to cling to whatever we could uh, to give us hope. Uh, Chris, did you find it? Still coming. Okay, still coming. All right. <laughs> He's like it's pre nineteen hundred. It's yeah. pre. <laughs> yeah, this is. I mean, uh, I hope. Damn. I hope it's a Chicago White Sox game from like nineteen seventeen. And, like, the only reason... Yeah, I mean, this is going to be... I think it's going to be pre... This will be the it's dead ball a, era. It's going to be a long time ago. I'll just say that. <laughs> yes, he's digging and digging I, I, and no, digging. We're looking for hour and 20 minutes. What will be interesting, though, is if someone... If a pitcher's shoving early in the... Like, at any point, and it was, like, perfect game, 76 pitches through seven, that's going to be moving. 
Yeah, yeah. That's where I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating it to be a historic-type game, like Dylan Cease on September 3rd last year where he, he got eight and two-thirds of no-hit ball. As long as that other team, I think that was the 13 nothing game, by the way. Oh, if, that was. Yeah. You're right, that so, was. And that was 221. Yeah. Boom, see what happens? It was burnt. Like, so a quick game with a lot of runs and no pitch clock. Mm-hmm. Was, that game was today. It's probably hour 50. Okay. So I, I think y- you guys sit 20. there. I'm telling you, it's a historic. It's like Burley. I bet you Burley could pitch in these rules in an hour and 20 minutes. Well, he, he was without the rules. That's true. <laughs> Which is what I'm telling you. We need All to right. figure out who the quickest working pitcher the game clock is. And All right. So while Chris is still working on that, we're going to move on to the next category. And we'll, I'll start with you, Guff. Okay. How many wins for the White Sox? How many wins for the White Sox in 2023? Man, this one was actually – I, I kept, like, writing it down, shaving a number off, mm-hmm. writing it – because – if I'm saying Pedro Gafal's winning manager of the year, it's not an 81 yeah, and 81 yeah, team. Yeah. And as bad as things were last year, they were 81 and 81. The schedule does matter, though. You had six fewer games against each of your division teams. So you're playing better teams, but you're also playing other te- terrible teams like the Reds and the Pirates. And you're not playing the Guardians. And the Marlins. And the Marlins. Yeah. And you're play- <laughs> I yeah. think it's a wash. You're playing the A's. <sighs> I think I'm going to settle on it. I've, wrote, I've erased it like three different times. I'm going to say 88 wins. The White Sox have 88 wins, 88 and 74. So is, that, is that a manager of the year kind of season, though? Well, it is when you – there's two more questions, right? Okay. Okay. Oh, there's more. Oh, oh, I see. I see what you're doing there. You're crazy. You're okay. crazy, right? So we got, a, we got a year. We got a year. And, uh, it, it was the year Carlton Fisk was born, as it happens, 1947. <laughs> and it was uh, September 7th, 1947. It was – the Phillies and Braves, Boston Braves at the time, it was two to nothing win by Philadelphia, took exactly an hour and 20 minutes. Earlier that season, the White Sox played one against Cleveland, where the White Sox were the, uh, where Cleveland won one to nothing, also hour and 20 minutes. Now, this, this is going by the data we have available from baseball reference. So it's a, there's a chance there might have been a later game that slipped through, slipped through the cracks that did not have game uh, time data for it, but it's pretty complete, and there's a good chance that it is indeed 1947 that the last time an hour and 20-minute game happened. Wow. 76 years ago. you got to be bleeping me. Get ready. Uh, how many wins you got for the White Sox next year? Or next year this year, uh, Chris? Well, uh, coincidentally – um, 120 hour, hour and 20 minutes is 80 minutes. I have 80 wins, um, 80 wins and, and 80, wins. 80 wins. Oh, wait, hold on. Stop the press breaking news. Sure, You're saying that this year's team is going to be worse than last year. I feel that there's a, they're a tick worse cause they lost the Brayu. Okay. So I you're a Brayu, a Brayu Cueto to Benintendi Clevenger is just like a, like a win worse. Me. Well, wait a second. But what? So, and you're also assuming that everybody who played 104 games or less are going to happen again. I'm talking and T.A. It, Robert Jimenez, Mancada, Grandal. The law, of, the law of averages. I think everything kind of everything else kind of balances and evens out. I know. I know it's not what you want to hear, but I'm like again. I'm going from what I know. Yeah, I mean, and let's let's hope I'm wrong. It's yeah. not. It's not insane. I mean, no one's going to sit there and go, man, uh, 80 and 82, like. If they go 80 and 82, now think, about it, think about it. They're not going to have as many games to beat up on the Tigers and Royals. 
The Royals beat up on the White Sox last year. Yeah, but they play a lot of bad teams I mean, though. Still, like they, I, they I, play I just a lot of bad teams. I just they're, made that exact same point. That and evens they, out too. And they're gonna yeah, play. They're, they're gonna. gonna play they're the gonna Pirates. play the Pirates and the Marlins, and yeah. the Reds and the A's. I wish they are. You know, they're gonna play bad teams. The Diamondbacks. I mean, the well, Diamondbacks. I think will be better. But even still, like, okay. I mean, I should beat the Diamondbacks. They should. They should. But, but I think 80 is not insane. It would be disappointing, but it also would be telling you, like, the guys who you're really hoping to bounce back are really just those guys. If they win 80 games, I would th- expect big changes next offseason. Oh, my God. We've said I that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You wouldn't? I wouldn't. No, I mean, it's, it's Maybe the in the front office. for Griffal and company, you know? Uh, I wouldn't get alarmed if they, if they won 80 games. I would say, well, um, what could we do? Um, I mean, the core is still the core. It's not a bad core. It's just a lot of, a lot of things to prove. Yes. Until I see more than, than all right here. You are being, you're being realistic. There is absolutely nothing wrong with your, you know, win total. I'm just, uh, boy, I, I'm not, I'm, I trying to be the optimist and a realist. If we are going down the path of an 80 win season after what happened last year, Ooh, those post game shows are going to be on fire. Well, it should be. At, you lost the the your best offensive player. You lost the third most prolific home run hitter in franchise history. But he you wasn't a home run hitter last former year. Former MVP. No, he wasn't. Not last year. But but he was still the best offensive player overall because you, he because of the volume. Right. You were um, going to. Have, I now think if you if you look at it on the rate rate basis, you might want to say Jimenez, but Abreu played the games. And I would give him the nod just a little bit there. I mean, Luis now, Robert had no homers and two RBIs in the whole second half. So and 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 I'm worried about him. Okay, I'm concerned about him. I, you know, I I seen I seen him in the World Baseball Classic and he didn't look too good. He didn't look great. It looks look, like he's trying not to get hurt to me, which that uh, is not uh, a good. Uh, when not you're good, walking in, going when your main goal of today is not to get hurt. He's got to. You're going to get hurt. We're gonna have to worry about that low and outside pitch for him, the sweepers. Okay, so Chris Kampka, well, I feel great. Cold water on the podcast. Yeah. No, it's okay. All good. Eighty wins. That is your prediction. I really hope you're wrong, and if you're right, hey, I uh, I'm wrong props too. to you. I don't want to be right. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather lose this this round of guessing yeah. between us three. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I of course, of course. Uh, how many wins for the White Sox? So I just keep looking at this, that, you know, they stayed healthy pitching-wise. Obviously, they didn't stay healthy everywhere else. Well, no, I shouldn't say pitching-wise. I mean, they lost. They didn't have Lance Lynn for the first two months. Um, and then Michael Kopech was pitching on a bad knee for the whole second half. The whole offense just was a mess, and they won 81 games. They had a, let's just say, a coaching staff that wasn't exactly uh, running on all cylinders. Oh, really? Can you elaborate? Um <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Maybe we'll do that at some point. You're um, right. There's a whole lot of intangible stuff to. There's a million accounting for. Yeah, I'm not. I'll, I'll just I'm not say this. Accounting for it, and I'll, I'll readily admit that. I'll just say this: there were many days, many games, where, uh, how do I say it? <laughs> the, the the manager may have let things slip through the cracks a few times. Huh? Yeah. So. Because of that, these guys, this coaching staff, oh my God, they're like they're running this thing in they're a whole great. different way. 
And well, I, this stuff is not going to slip through the cracks. These guys are going to be well-equipped, well-prepared to kick some ass. But, Much but more than last year. A little bit of time to undo what was done. Yes. So I you know I mean? am optimistic. I'm not saying this team's winning a World Series. I may not even be saying they're winning the Central, but they're going to win 90 freaking games. Wow. They're okay. winning 90 games. Whew. Yes. That would make my bold prediction look good. So uh, there we go. Uh, Chris, uh, the other thing, too, like the White Sox were probably the least prepared team in baseball to start a series. I, mean, I, I forgot what that stat was, like 16 and 38 in the first game, whatever it was. Horrible, like 20 games under, 20 plus games under 500 at the start of a series in game one. I think that's changing. Like, it, it, I don't oh, think, like, at best it's 500 or at worst I it's 500. I can't imagine it being that bad again because that was bad. You know, I'm just, like I'm saying, there's got to be some time to undo sure. the, the bad stuff from the last couple of years. Um, and, but but if they do well this year, then I will be the first to say, okay, I can see that happening again. Yep. All right. So who wins the American League Central? Chris has the White Sox. <laughs> I think I think it's going to be Cleveland, Minnesota, White Sox third. Okay. At this point. All right. Who do you got? Yeah, I really flirted with the White Sox, the wild card slash division back and forth. I do think it's coming down to the end, uh, like literally the end end, like the last week. I'm gonna say 88 wins is a like I think the White Sox win the division and I and, and like this is gonna sound like oh of course McGuffey. I really tried to like pick against the White Sox here I really did but I I I can't figure out whose warts are bigger problems I really can't in the division you know like usually Cleveland like they're they're still Cleveland and they had nothing go wrong last year and they didn't really add so I'm kind of like. Okay, I'm just going to take that into account. Maybe they it's three fewer, four fewer wins. The Twins raised some eyebrows with some of the things. Like, I think Joey Gallo is a great fit in Minnesota. Like, that name's may not being talked about. The load management thing with Byron Buxton where they're going to DH him out of the gate. I think that could matter. Obviously, Correa is a leader. But I, I have major concerns about their pitching staff. And then I look at the White Sox. I, I, my biggest question mark on the White Sox, outside of all the things we've talked about just playing, are just depth. You know, I, I'm concerned about the White Sox specifically pitching depth. They just don't have a lot of big margin for error if there's a Lance Lynn type situation, if Michael Kopech goes down four to six weeks, if Clevenger just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, Davis Martin was not a name on our radar last year. I know that Rick has brought up a couple other options, but you just don't know. You know you need eight to nine guys to kind of get you to the end. I'm talking about starters. That's a concern for me, but I think – because I look at like the amount of stars in Chicago versus like Minnesota and Cleveland for me, and 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 just I just really like I'm sold on the Pedro Gafol thing, and and like and I'll like that's a Kool Aid I'll drink, and that's enough for me to say that it, 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 down the stretch in this division for a guy who's seen it time and time again the last decade plus, it's enough to get the White Sox to AL Central. My pick for the winner of the AL Central, I'm going with. The White Sox, I'm doing it. I got 90 wins for them. I got 89 wins for the Guardians. I've got 88 wins mm -hmm. for the Twins. It's going to be that close because it's it could go either way. I could see the Guardians win it. I could see the Twins winning it. Yep. And, yes, I'm just going with the White Sox. I'm giving them the edge because their butts hurt. They're just they're, – they they're, they're showing up with – they got the red ass <laughs> – <laughs> they're just so freaking motivated. And the way that I looked at the Guardians last year, they made it look easy. Everything seemed to go right for them. 
They had they didn't have many injuries at all. They just had an answer seemingly for everything. They completely maximized that roster to their credit, and they deserved it, and they earned it, and congrats to them for doing it. I just feel like there's a balance in baseball, and I think hopefully, hopefully, some of that balance will come back in the White Sox direction. All right, last category. How does the White Sox season end? Chris Kamka, well, yours is going to end in a painful way. They're not going to make the playoffs. Um, yes, but I think it's going to be on a more positive, optimistic note. Really? Last year. How? Now, How would that be? Record positive. Just because of the, you're going to see things that that are encouraging. You're going to, I mean, the way they play. Yeah, the way the what you see from the players is going to be more encouraging. Um, you know, the coaching staff and the manager, without question is more encouraging and which is why that you know hearing you talk about it a little bit especially what guff's been saying you know it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see that massive crazy turnaround i, I wouldn't rule i mean it could realistically happen just to, just to illustrate the difference between last year and this year on the bench in the dugout all right um but as crazy as it seems i think it's going to be more encouraging you're going to see the potential Maybe it doesn't happen this year, but we're on the right track. This sounds like 2019. I know. It really does. I don't think the fans are as patient as they were in 2019. No, no. They want want wins or blood. Yeah. (laughs) I think they're coming in blood. They're blood. They're thirsty already. Yeah. And and I get it. Like, it's a prove-it fan base. So uh, a lot of people are upset the way the last few years went, but the last few years are gone. Okay? Like, that entire thing, that the the, the management – that the coaching staff is gone. Like, give this coaching staff a chance. The players got to play. I'm a big like. At the end of the day, I don't care what Pedro. He might have the best. He could write a book that's like the best coaching book of all time. But if the players don't stay on the field, none of it matters anyway. How it ends, I'm saying ALDS. And my reason is because I think at the end of the day, the best players, and I'm talking about teams here with the best players are in those moments. I look last year at Philadelphia. I, I, I have Philadelphia Philly envy. I was hoping, like, the Phillies were going to have Chicago envy at this point. And I think, like, look at the NLCS last year. Mm. It was San Diego and Philadelphia. What did those two teams do in the offseason? They both added a $300 million player to a team that already has $300 million players. Okay? Like, that. I mean, the Astros have built a foundation. They are the – take the cheating part out of it. They are the model for rebuilding it from the ground up. And then de- I think where the Astros have beaten everybody, Chuck, is development. Yeah. They have developed their guys. They've moved on from guys, and they have guys waiting in the wings. They have depth and development. And I think until the White Sox are committed, it's just how I feel. I think until the White Sox can add a nine-figure player, I don't I, – I don't, I, the, the, the days of 2005 where you throw it all in a blender and it could just spit out and like all the luck and the things – are extremely rare now. They really are. And I think the White Sox, until they add, like, to me, the best the teams that have the star players and the most of them, and then it doesn't always translate that. The Phillies had a lot of them last year. But those are the teams that are left standing. Mm-hmm. And they, more so now than ever. And I think that's, at the end of the day, Chuck, they're going to get beat by a team that's got better players. Better players. Um, if they do get to the LDS, and I'm predicting that they will, they're going to win the division. They're going with the ALDS. Um, 
they need everything working. They need to be playing as a team. They need some breaks. They need health. They need. There's a lot of needs. A lot of things have to happen for this team to win a division series. We have not seen it yet. And I like to predict the future, but by predicting the future, I also have to look back in the past. They got to show it to me. Yeah. And because they haven't shown it to me yet, I can't go ahead and say they're going to win the ALDS. I have seen them win a division. I can see them doing it again. I would say their season is going to end in the ALDS. But to Chris's point, and, and, and to most of his picks, they've been very conservative mm-hmm. at best. There's the seven iron. And the reason for that is Other because, than Tim Anderson getting a 40-game hitting streak. But, but, the, but there's a, the reason for it is now we're, now we're buying for the first time. We're not, we're not taking like – we're not reading the scouting reports of, of a scout who saw this guy. We're looking at this going, I'm looking at standings, games played, and results, and it's been bad. And so because of it, that's why Chris was like 80 games. And uh, I get it, and I get the 20 homers. I'm I'm to the point now, like, we are in the show me state, show it time. Yeah. This is kind of boom or bust for like all of these guys. The core to me, it's this This is now or never. Uh, Tim is not, Tim's part of the core, but I, I know what Tim's going to give you. I'm talking about the guys you committed to. If it's not now, it's never. That's yeah. that's that's where I'm now at. or never the yeah. 2023 White Sox. That's a that's yeah. a, that's it. If now or never. If this is a potential podcast, it's completely different answers. Yeah. But but we're not looking at it anymore. I mean, look, I I believe on paper the White Sox are the best team in this division. Yep. On paper, I mean. So the question is, why haven't we asked Roger Bosser to craft a field out of paper? <laughs> I don't know, but but still, I mean, you know. They have to, you have to do it eventually. So yeah. it may be calling me a little skeptical, especially after last year, which is, you know, it just drained me. Yeah. Um, Everybody. But, you know, I, they're fully capable of doing even the most optimistic things that we've discussed today or more. Okay. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up. Our prediction podcast. We love doing it, always goes a little long, but it's always it's all, worth it's it. It's good. It's, all it's good. here. We're here. Yeah, we are here. The season is upon us. The prediction podcast is completed and we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Who has the most predictions correct? And we're going to score one right on opening night. I know. Right out of the I gate. Know. Right out of the gate. We might get zero. That's okay. He might draw a walk. But that's a big point for someone. Yes, right out that's of the a big like point. Last year, I don't, I think the winning, I think Chris won it with one. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah, they were bad. But uh, let's hope this is a good, great season for the White Sox. Chris Kampka, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. We'll see you in the truck with Jason and Steve. Yeah, Cog will come on by. Uh, We have the uh, home opener on Monday. Season opener, obviously, is on Thursday. But our season opener for us on NBC Sports Chicago is Friday. We have the home opener on Monday against the Giants. How weird is that? Giants home opener. The first National League home opener in White Sox history. Man, crazy. That is nuts. All right, that's a wrap for this edition of the White Sox Talk Podcast, brought to you by Wintrust, your home for White Sox. Check in with free ATMs nationwide. Go to their special White Sox webpage, www.wintrust.com slash Sox. Claire, thank you very much for your help, as always, putting this together and being here for our support. Hawk Harrelson, take it away. Thanks, our Chuck. And this edition of the White Sox Talk Podcast is over!